sweat the technique. The summer circuit continues live from Drift Bar in the Heights, your starting point for white linen night. From the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the Killer Bees with Joe Blank and Jeremy Brenham. That is right. We are at Drift in the Heights. They're setting up for White Linen Night tomorrow. It's going to be a neon dreamland. This is where you get your White Linen Night started. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. This place is going to be packed. It's going to be a party that you do not want to miss. 713-780-ESPN. HRP listener line. 713-780-3776. What does this Houston Texans roster build? What does it remind you of? Is there another team around the league, recent memory, currently, that sticks out to you when you think of how the Houston Texans are being built, how Nick Casario is building the Houston Texans. The Texans signed Shaq Griffin over the offseason. He's going to be their backup outside corner behind Stingley, uh, behind Steven Nelson. And Griffin used to play for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, this is what kind of kicked up the idea in my mind, is Griffin even brought up the Legion of Boom. He says that there's a lot of studs in the Houston Texans secondary. Petrie. Stingley, You have the veteran Jimmy Ward. He said a lot of good things about Nelson as well. This build kind of reminds me a bit of those Seattle Seahawks because the secondary is really, really strong. I think at least from a potential point of view, it hasn't played there yet. You know, Petrie's got to continue to develop. Stingley's got to be on the field and then play at a very high level. Will Anderson's not in the secondary, but is somebody who can be a factor getting to the quarterback. Even if you look at the offensive side of the ball, those early Seattle Seahawks teams, whenever they stole, they got Russell Wilson a huge steal of the draft, and he won the rookie, he won the quarterback job as a rookie. They were really built with Marshawn Lynch being the the bell cow, giving him the football. I could see the Houston Texans having a similar type build as the Seattle Seahawks, in which they have this really good secondary. They have a guy who can get to the quarterback. They're a very physical defense with D'Amico Ryan's as the head coach, and then on the offensive side. You know, C.J. Stroud, early Russell Wilson, was kind of a game manager. Where Stroud, you're not asking to win games. You're asking him to manage games, and you build behind a good running back in Damian Pierce to try to get you going offensively. Well, I mean, first and foremost, I need to know who's my Bobby Wagner. and and, and who's Probably my, Christian Harris. And, and then Bruce Irvin and some of the other guys. Probably the, Will Anderson. From the secondary standpoint, I get it. I just need to see more of the front seven to make sure that they're – capable as the legion of boom of putting pressure on the quarterback stopping the run and then letting the secondary just excel right because richard sherman is your stingley and 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 you can go that way um offensively i I just think there's so much still to be learned about what they really have we know that seattle had really steady quality players across the board and then russ just kind of was blooming and flourishing right in front of our eyes you want that to be the case of with C.J. Stroud, but you also want to have the weapons around him so that he can do what he needs to do, not just with a running game, but with a passing game and all the other elements. So, yes and no, but at the same time, look, it's not a bad model to follow if, if that's what you're hoping to be and if you're getting those kind of players because it was sustained, too. That Legion of Boom, even past their prime, was still effective in being able to play good quality defense, and they were able to stay in a lot of football games and win a lot of football games. Look, I'm, I'm no way saying that the Texans are anywhere near what the Seahawks were whenever they were beating the Broncos in the Super Bowl. I'm saying that if there is a model of a good team in recent memory, that's probably the team I'm pointing to. Because if you go good teams in recent memory, you're looking, okay, let's start with the Kansas City Chiefs. Do I think that the Houston Texans are going to be the Kansas City Chiefs? No, I don't think they're capable of being the Chiefs for a variety of reasons. One, I think Mahomes is a unicorn. I think he's unique. I think he's one of a kind. Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in football. 
football. But even if you had those guys, D'Amico Ryans is your head coach. Like, I don't think D'Amico Ryans is going to have the philosophy and the scheme, even if you had a Mahomes and a Kelsey, to be doing Andy Reid type of stuff. I don't think that he's capable. I don't think anybody's capable of doing what Andy Reid does in Kansas City. So the Texans aren't built anything like Kansas City. You go to, like, the New England Patriots, you know, you can draw some ties to the Patriots back when they were winning a lot uh, because Nick Casario came from New England and kind of has that, that mindset. But at the same time, why were they great? They were great because they had arguably the greatest quarterback ever, best quarterback resume ever. Do we think Stroud's anywhere close to that? No. Maybe, like, Ben Roethlisberger Steelers. Remember whenever he took over yeah, as a rookie? Yeah. He wasn't really quite Big Ben yet. But you were, you were again – you were built around your defense, and, yep, ball control, yep, yep. winning games like that. I think that the Texans early, like if they win in the first two to three years of C.J. Stroud, they're winning because of defense. They're winning because they're running the ball really, really good. So if I'm going Super Bowl winning teams or teams that have been playing at a high level in the last decade or so, that's the team I look at because it's a really good secondary. Legion of Boom, Houston Texans, you're hoping you have a, the makings of a really good secondary with Stingley and Petrie. You mentioned having a, a guy in the middle that can make tons of tackles. You're hoping, and look, nowhere near those guys in terms of production yet. Christian Harris, you're hoping to be that guy that racks up tackles. You just drafted, you just traded up for Will Anderson. He better be the guy yeah. that's wreaking better havoc be, in the no, backfield. No offense to Bruce Irvin. He better be better than Bruce Irvin. He's got, he should be. He, yeah. he should be better than Bruce Irvin depending on the return that you gave. And look, I don't think Damian Pierce is ever going to be as good as Marshawn Lynch. But he, pay, he plays the game that way, where it's, you know, he's trying to dish out abuse and physical force even more so than he's taking on. So it's, I, I, again, I'm not saying the Texans are anywhere close to being the Legion of Boom Seattle Seahawks, but in terms of building a roster compared to other teams that have been really good in somewhat recent memory, that's the team I look at. Yeah, no, and, and that's why at least you have a base to say that, because it's unrealistic to think that they could be the Chiefs. You have arguably not only the best quarterback in the league right now, but a lot of people have already anointed him one of the best quarterbacks of all time. It's unfair. I was trying to think of other teams where it might be realistic to say you could be like that. Maybe early Dak when he took over in yeah. Dallas. That was one I was thinking about because of the fact that they still weren't exact. You know, they weren't blowing it out offensively and just running five wides and doing all the things that you know Chiefs type teams are doing. But when you look at it, if that's your base and you look at it, I think from a Christian Harris standpoint, look, Bobby Wagner was, he might, when all is said and done, be one of the best guys in the middle you've seen in recent NFL football. So Christian Harris may be more athletic, more speedy, more flexible. Bobby Wagner had the best of both worlds. For a guy his size, he could move. He was athletic. But, boy, he could absolutely bring the Mack truck to you, too, and crush you. Those are the kind of players you're hoping some of the guys you drafted are going to turn out to be. You look at the Rockets roster and say, there's a lot of guys that you're hoping develops into a few guys really taking that step up to be one of the men. When you look at that defense, you say, look, the good news is you've got a lot of young talent that could turn into being a very, very upper echelon player at his position group. It's just in order to be the Legion of Boom, it's that cohesive. Oh, no doubt. they got a long way to go. Yeah, I think the other team I would throw into the mix here, you want to talk about young talent and collecting that, and then just like it takes a little bit of time, but one day it connects. Jacksonville like you know Seattle they were a really good football team without a quarterback before Russell Wilson got there he stepped in he had success right away same thing with Dak and Dallas like they were built to win 
So I wonder like, if Jacksonville no, Seattle, might be. Seattle didn't make the playoffs for a long time before Russ. No, but they were like, but all those guys were there when Russ got but drafted. But they, they didn't have a winning season for like four consecutive years and then drafted Russ and then they were good for a, like a sustained so period they, but of they time. Had the, so they had the entire roster like set. Like they had, like and those the guys were, in. Yeah, I guess and then so. he fixed it right away. So I, I, I kind of look at Jacksonville as the team of just like, they spent all this young draft capital. They have cap space that they're using. Hopefully they use it well. Yeah. And then just, like, everyone needs to kind of come together at the same time. And I just feel like the Seahawks were defensively so much farther ahead of where the Texans are right now, just, like, age-wise and already developing. See, the ja- I guess I was looking for a higher standard than, than a team that just won the division than, yeah. than, than Jacksonville. And also, like, the philosophy, I think, is totally different. Like, Jacksonville has Doug Peterson, and they're probably going to throw it 35 times a game. Whereas, do the Houston Texans want to thir- throw it 35 times a game with – a young quarterback and a team that I think is going to be built on defense. I think it's going to be a team that's built on running the football. You go look at San Francisco where D'Amico's coming from and where he brought his offensive coordinator from, that team is built around defense and running the football at a very high level. And I know Shanahan's an offensive guy, but that's not a team that crushes you through the aerial game. Like, they run the ball on you. If you look at the last few Super Bowl champions, like, they're not going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. Los Angeles Rams with McVay. They're not going to be, like, this wonderkind offense. Tampa Bay, whenever they had Brady, like, it's hard to compare a quarterback late in his career to what the Texans have. New England, when they won the Super Bowl in 19, like an older Tom Brady, kind of maybe that's the kind of build. Philadelphia, I would say no. Denver with a late Manning, maybe, because that was really more of a defensive-oriented team than it was an offensive-oriented team. But I'm looking at teams and builds that were built around defense and running the ball really well. Because if this Houston Texans team is – I'm not even going to say a Super Bowl contender. If this Houston Texans team and build is a playoff contender in three years, if they're competing for a division title, I think it's a team that has a really, really good defense and they run the ball well. Like, if you had to pick one side of the ball that finished top five – on their side of the ball in the next five years, it's easily defense for right. me. No question. But, Jeremy, this is where, uh, I, in terms of the comparison, where I have reservations if you're taking C.J. Stroud and he's got touch on the football and he throws the football well and you're playing in a pass-happy NFL, I don't know that that's what you want Stroud to be. I think they're expecting more of Stroud to be than a guy that's in a run-happy offense or a, a, a very strong running-oriented football team. I think they're going to expect that once Stroud kind of gets his feet wet and gets acclimated to the league, that he's a, he's going to be a guy that really kind of sling, not slings it around the yard like Mahomes. Yeah. But he's still going to have to throw the ball a lot more to be successful as a team and have, have like, deeper runs in the playoff type success. I still think they're going to be run first, though. Like, Russell Wilson was really good in the run first Marshawn Lynch offense. I think that's ultimately, like, what they would like to do. I don't think they want to be spreading it out and going four wide and, and have him sling, slinging it around the yard. And I especially don't think that with a defensive-minded head coach. I think it would be different if it was Benny Johnson. I think it would be different if it was Doug Peterson. But that it's D'Amico Ryans. Like, D'Amico Ryans going to win with defense, but, controlling the ball, running the ball, and then having precision from C.J. Stroud for the 20, 25 times that he throws it. But when you look at, and again, talent means something too, right? I mean, you have to have the right pieces in place to do whatever you're going to do offensively. You've got to get better in the receiver room. Yeah. You, either it's Pierce or somebody else, but you've got to have running backs that are capable of doing what you need to do. But even if he's a defensive-minded coach, he's bringing in a Shanahan-style offense with a Shanahan-style offensive coordinator. But they run the ball more in San Francisco. But they're also very versatile, right? They're mixing things up. They're changing the looks. They're doing a lot of things with the quick pass game and the RPOs and the things as well as it, too, so that you're confusing defenses and or you're keeping defenses on their toes. But are you winning there with, like, great skill guys or great quarterback play? 
that's more skill than QB play. For sure it is. I mean, look, look at what Brock Purdy was able to do. There's no doubt. They haven't had a good quarterback. Right. That, I mean, Alex Smith maybe the best. It shows you that you're able to do a lot with very lesser at the quarterback position because of the structure of the offense and the way the creativeness of Shanahan-style offenses. That's why I think when you put a C.J. Stroud in the mix, you're expecting more than just a Seattle-type offense, and you're expecting a guy that can take you to a I agree. I just don't think you're there right away. No, no, no you're, you're not. not. No, you're yeah. not even close. This is about a build. This what is about not Buffalo? about Buffalo? No, Josh Allen's a, is a freak. No, but think about it. Josh Allen, when he came in the league, offense. was not great. LaShawn McCoy led that team as a running attack. Josh Allen with his running skills. Josh Allen was not productive, but his usage was through the roof. Sure, but like... Early on, like, he wasn't this elite quarterback. So, like, Sean McDermott, a defensive-minded coach, like, they build on defense. They build on the run game with LaShawn McCoy and Josh Allen. And then as Josh Allen got better, that team just skyrocketed potential-wise. They've only missed the playoffs that first year a, with I Josh just, Allen. I have a really hard time envisioning in a, in a D'Amico philosophy and a slowick San Francisco type of scheme that they're ever going to put the quarterback usage like Buffalo does on Allen. Sure. I, I just don't envision that at all. And, like, See, to what Blankers was saying about, like, Russell Wilson and Seattle scheme, it would be great if C.J. Stroud turned into Russell Wilson. That would be a major success. No, it would. But how successful could the team be because of how – offenses these days are putting tons of points on the board swinging it all over the field and i think that's where the difference is because joe i don't mind the analogy in the early days of saying look that's the way buffalo was because they didn't know what josh allen could be but you obviously know that a couple years down the road cj stroud can't be josh allen no matter what he developed into yeah he doesn't have a different skill set to the table stroud look and this isn't diminishing stroud like i mean allen i don't think allen's usage is good to be completely honest with you it's too much we've talked about that before i think it's i think it holds buffalo back i think buffalo for them to take the next step i think they need to have a better running game that doesn't involve josh allen and maybe they think they have that in james cook i think they need to take some of josh allen's usage away for them to get to a higher bar so like but you bring up a good point too about you know offenses are winning today in the nfl but I don't think the Texans are ever going to be offense first. I don't ever think they're going to be pass first. I think they're going to be defense ahead of offense, run the ball, you know, impose your will on a defense more than they're ever going to be a team that slings it around 30 times a game. And I think a reason that they love C.J. Stroud is not because he's capable of throwing it 40 times, 400 yards, high usage like a Josh Allen or a Pat Mahomes, but more because he's precise. The 25 times that he's throwing it a game, you're going to get six, seven yards of play. You're going to move the chain. He's methodically going to move the ball down the field. I think that's the C.J. Stroud they want, not the gunslinger, which you said they didn't want earlier as, as well. But yeah. in today's day and age, can you win that way? It's, it's a great question. Well, it goes back to what we've said all along, too, about the fact that if he was in the NFC, this might be a different conversation. Yeah. But in the AFC, because those two guys, and along with Joe Burrow, are the top three quarterbacks in the league, uh, in the conference, it changes things drastically because of that alone. Yeah, the, the plight is going to be interesting of this team, no doubt. 713-780-ESPN, the HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Killer Bees broadcasting live uh, from Drip Bar in the Heights. Alex is here. Day One Don is here. Uh, you swing on by as well. I, I don't know if either one of them said, what up, H-Town? Hey, how you doing? The Blankers from your loins to get free Spacers tickets. But uh, a few people that do, they'll be getting tickets to the Space Cowboys either today or tomorrow. Coming up next, Justin Verlander is back. Apparently Houston was his number one the entire way, huh? What are the expectations for JV the rest of the way? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.
You're back inside the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios with the Killer Bees, Joel and Jeremy, live from Drift Bar in the Heights. Drift Bar in the Heights, where you start white linen night tomorrow. Neon Dreamland, they're setting up as we speak. Those tents are awesome outside. You can tell it's going to be a party there tomorrow. Uh, day one, Donna brought us cookies. It is National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day. Are these laced with anything? Are these, are these laced with anything, these chocolate chip cookies? She said no. That's too bad. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's chocolate chip cookie day. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, oh, very nice of uh, Day One Donna to do that. She uh, she said she thought it was a peace offering because yeah. she thought you might be upset. She compared you to uh, a true big guy. Yeah, in, in the rate or, or formerly of the radio business. I thought I was going to lose my voice. Somehow my voice is like I, I rallied. I don't know you what ha- I rallied. I, don't I know expected what I, did. I expected Joe to have to warm up today. Me too. Thinking that it was going to get worse, and you came in just ready to go like nothing engineer. had happened. I thought it was going to be engineering, and Joe was going to be on the air. But I, I took some good drugs, and I rallied the best kind go. of drugs. And they won Donna didn't lace these cookies. Um, Justin Verlander is back with the Astros. Here was Verlander yesterday. He was in the dugout yesterday. You saw him in the dugout yesterday. He met with the media in Houston or in New York with the Astros wearing the Houston gear. Here was Verlander talking about how Houston was number one the whole way. After I had some conversations with Billy and Steve about next season uh, and their plans, I think, you know, entertaining the idea of a trade and, and, and waiving my no-trade clause, I think Houston was, you know, the number one choice for me, The you know, just knowing these guys so well and, you know, having a chance to win, you know, the familiarity and, um, you know, had such a great time here. So, yeah, um, you know, that was, uh, yeah, number one choice. There you go. Houston, number one choice. He would say that he didn't uh, He didn't get presented with any other trade uh, offer. Uh, the Mets didn't make another move for Verlander that needed Verlander's approval. Verlander said that the, the general manager for the Mets, this was the only trade that he was presented with and that he needed to sign off on it. Of course, he did sign off on it. It was pretty cool seeing Verlander back, uh, doing the press conference stuff, and then seeing him in uniform in the Astros. It, it really was, Jeremy, and the pictures that the Astros' Twitter account was putting out there and all the – the reunions when they started happening when he filtered into the clubhouse with all the guys that were there were neat to see. But because of what we just heard, it then behooves me to ask you guys and the listeners, if they were the only one, did the Astros know? And I don't know if we'll ever know that, but then did they give up too much? Because I do believe, based on the way Verlander kind of put that out there for us, Mm. that there was dialogue enough with the Mets that the Mets were going to do the right thing for both them and for Verlander. But if it was known... Or, or if the Astros were finding ways to find out if it was known, and, and I don't know if that's the case either, but if you knew you're the only team in the – then don't compete with anybody else, then I don't want to give up my number one and number three prospects because I know this is the only place he wants to go that he's going to waive the no trade Well, for. he didn't necessarily say that, though, right? He didn't. Like he, he didn't say that, he w- that they would have been the only one that he would have waived the no trade to. And I guess you'd be tampering, too, if you were communicating with Justin Verlander, being like, hey, are we the only ones? I, I will I will say this. I do think the Astros gave the Mets the best offer. So, like, could have Dana Brown, could have the Astros played a little bit of hardball, played poker a little bit better, maybe be risky thinking that Justin Verlander wouldn't wave a no trade to anybody else but the Houston Astros? Maybe. Maybe. I do think that the Astros gave the Mets the best offer they were presented for Justin Verlander, though. I, I think that as long as you – I think it's I think it's obviously possible, but I think that I, I'm you know the side that I'm on with this is that I just wonder if there were any other teams that were allowed to make an offer that were in the competitive mix because of the fact that 
JB said not only he said the Astros were his number one pick, but were there any other picks? Well, he said he didn't. He said he wasn't presented with any other trade, so he didn't have to. He didn't. He never got presented with that. He never had to reject another team. But that's why I bring up: Are you competing with yourself? I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't think know. they were. You think they were competing with themselves? No, no I don't. I don't, I, don't, I don't think so because you know it was pretty widely reported the Red Sox were running. And yesterday, Ken Rosenthal said that the Red Sox were making calls too. Orioles, Dodgers, Padres. I, I thought the two teams that were going to try and be players for Verlander were going to be the Orioles and the Dodgers. The, and I said that when we were talking about it in the last couple of days leading up to the trade deadline. I thought that was where the other teams might and the other offers might come from. But if that's the only one he was presented with, you would think that if there were offers from other teams, he would have at least known about them. That he would have had well the not, opportunity no, he, to at least no you he, know, think about. He wouldn't have if he wouldn't have if the, the offers didn't beat the Astros' offer. If if the Astros' offer with Drew Gilbert, Ryan Clifford was better than any other offer that the Mets got, you're not going to take that to Justin Verlander. You're not going to take second place, third place to Justin Verlander. You're going to take the top offer that the only one that you're going to accept. Fair point. So I, that's why I think the Astros had the best offer for Justin Verlander, but I absolutely believe that there were other offers for Verlander. I, I, I simply don't because of the fact that if you're down the road or you got an offer earlier in the process, and I don't know when the Astros started making offers, but I think that along the along the lines of when teams are talking to you, you're going to be talking to Justin going, hey, before we get too far down the line with this, trying to make this deal a, 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 a reality, are you good with Baltimore? Are you good with Boston? Are you good with the Dodgers? And I would think that he would have heard of at least one or two other offers other than just the Houston offer. That's why my fear is that you were only competing with yourself. Yeah, I, I, I hear that fear, but why would you tell Verlander who was the third best offer? It's the first offer you may have gotten. Like, I would tell Verlander of the offers I'm getting and saying right off the top, hey, Boston's calling me up. Boston's throwing prospects on the table. Are you good with Boston? Just to know that there's another, there's a first offer in. There's teams that are throwing players at us. Are you good with that? I would think that he's in the conversations because you have to get his approval so you would know other of, of the teams, the cities, and, and whether you know the players or not. But I, I think those conversations happen because he, he yeah. talked about how him and Epler and, and Steve Cohen had a conversation about I don't what think the were, future of the franchise was. I don't so. think they were talking as much as Blaker's things that they might have should have or could have though because it sounds to me like listening to Verlander talk yesterday watching the press conference Verlander said that he met with them they made a decision that hey we're, we're gonna shop you and then we'll let you know whatever comes back and then the next conversation was hey JV we got a deal done with the Astros are you willing to accept like there I don't think that the negotiations were ever relayed to Verlander See, and look, I believe that there were conversations between those guys in terms of where the franchise is going and then him letting him know that I don't want to be a part of it or if you can move me, then I think that the next progression for me would be where I think we're, 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 we have different schools of thought on this is then I'm going to keep you posted on the, the cities and the teams that are giving us offers so that we can see where yeah. you're at with it so that we know if, if we know that you're a nay on Boston – then I'm not going to keep pursuing that, or I'm not going to counter them. Yeah, but I, I see. I, I would have done business differently though, because if Verlander's telling me that Boston's out on them, I'm still negotiating with Boston, trying to get the best return from the Astros. Like, because you don't have to let Dana Brown know that Justin Verlander's not going to. In fact, you wouldn't let him know. Like, if I'm selling something and I need somebody else's approval to sell that thing, I'm not going to come with them to the third or fourth best offer. I'm going to come with them with the best and final. This is what you got. Are you willing to do it for this deal? So, like, if I'm the middle man trying to move a Verlander or a product for another person, I'm not giving them the second, third, fourth place offers. I mean, we and again, we it, it, we can respectfully agree to disagree on this because I just think that 
when you're going through the process, you're right. You might want to still engage Boston and then say to the Astros, hey, I've got an offer from Boston. But just, you know, I know it too well from a different sport, but still in the same realm of things, that these conversations are happening, whether it's tampering or not, they're going on. And there's a way to at least somehow see the lay of the land to understand if there are teams in or he can relate. But relay. if you're the Mets, would you take the third best offer? You might have to if he says I'm not going to, to, to the first two. Or you, or you keep them. I don't think that was ever going to be something that they were going to do. I think that just based on the fact that this was the direction they were going and they relayed that, relayed that to both Scherzer and to Verlander, I think that that was not something that they were willing to do. They were willing to get that salary off the books no matter what. Well, I mean, and I mean they on. paid over half of it. Nonetheless. It had nothing to do with the salaries. It had everything to do with the prospects. It's also the fact that those guys both didn't want to be a part of it and didn't want to be there. Sure, but you're still selling to the highest bidder. You're still getting the best prospects you, that you can, but you're and Cohen also, was willing to spend money to get the best prospects. But you're also you sending could. a message to other guys that they're going to undoubtedly go into free agency trying to get, that this might be another one of those deals where, we, yeah, we want you for now. We don't know how long, no matter how long the deal is, you sign, because this is the way we're doing business, and I don't yeah. think they want that out there either. Could be. I mean, we're never going to know the, the full details of it. Now, would you agree that the Astros made the best offer? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we're on the same page there. 713-780-ESP. Killer Bees live from Drift Bar in the Heights. Come say hello to us. Daily happy hours today. Uh, $4 Texas drafts, $6 ranch waters, and then white linen night tomorrow. This is your uh, this is your start place for white linen night and inside a neon dreamland here at Drift Bar in the Heights. Coming up next, everybody's favorite game. Who said it? Joe George tries to stump the Killer Bees, and we guess who said Certain things from ESPN 97.5. It's Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. It's now time for the mega producer Joe George to do what he does best, and that's stumping. No one can stump the best stumper in Stumpville, and that's Stumpy Joe. Stumpy Joe. What happened to Stumpy Joe? The official explanation was he choked on vomit. Today, Stumpy Joe will try to stump the Killer Bees with Who Said It? Let the stumping begin. Let's get stumped. Killer Bees broadcasting live from Drift in the Heights. Uh, your spot, your, your starting spot for White Linen Night, uh, Neon Dreamland. Happy hours today as well. $5 Wells, $4 Texas Drafts. Come hang out with us. Come hang out with Alex. Come hang out with, uh, with Donna as well. Also, your opportunity to win some Spacers tickets. You can win some tickets to the Space Cowboys if you come yell at Blankers. What up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? But you got to do it from your loins. you got to uh, bring it. As Blankers said. Bring right, it. It's time now for Who Said It, everybody's favorite game. How has Who Said It been going for you lately, Joe George? I think I, I think I got crushed last week. Got I crushed. don't think you got crushed. I know you got crushed. I got one, and you guys so you barely got cha- one. You got one by it. kind of doing what you do best, which is Bush League. Guys. You know That's all I do you know is Bush League. That's what he's going to do this week. He's out for vengeance. Uh, rules are, as remembers, uh, Andrew and Mapes are allowed to be in the fifth one. In the combo. Right, right, right. Uh, no Dell. Why is Andrew allowed now? Because I had to keep my roster flush. Good answer. I lost Jake for a day because he took another vacation day. That really hurt you too, I'm sure. I just got to make sure. PC skipped a couple shows. Wouldn't that be an upgrade? So I just got to make sure I'm, I'm just, I keep a full roster of uh, selections. All right. All right, number one. I did have a brief stint as a Postmates driver. I was horrific at it. Lasted about three days. I was very bad at getting the order correct. A what driver? Postmates. Postmates. It's got to be somebody young. You no one Gr- old's doing this. You don't think Granado's doing Postmates? Nope. Mm-mm. Nah. He's wearing Gucci sneakers. Could be. Actually, Creighton could maybe. Stop it. You don't think? He's got a day job. Does he? Yeah. Okay. But always, this is the same forever. 
Yeah, but still. I, don't, I, I think that's a lot of work for Pat and, and moving around that he doesn't want to do. Do you think Jake would, would Postmates? I think Paul would for sure. Well, Paul, think, Paul went through that kind of down period between Seattle and here. I was going to say Paul and BK are certainly on the list, but BK yeah. probably, probably doesn't need to. No, he's, he's a little more hoity-toity in that regard. I see, yeah, he's I, got the good backing. I don't want to peel the curtain back too far. But the first time I saw Beaky drive into the parking garage, I was like, oh, okay. I know. <laughs> okay, Beaky. He's like our interns. So, our, have you seen what our interns were rolling with this summer? They're, uh, all you driving, told me. they're all driving mommy and daddy's car. Ranges and convertible beamers. Yeah. I'm like, man, I'm doing this all wrong. If our range, if our interns are rolling through with showroom cars, parking them next to me every day, I'm like, man, good for you. How do I get to be an intern? At the exactly. Um, I think it's either Jake or uh, Paul. Call Cody. Oh, he's not. Never, he was in charge of the interns at one time. Chief, maybe he could be one. Uh, BK or Paul is my. Oh, I'm sorry, Jake or Paul is my guess. Jake or Paul? Okay. Well, I think it's all it could be. You don't think the umbrella business and kissing up to Bob Costas was enough to keep him out of doing man, any kind of real work? I don't think Jake did. So I'm, I'm leaning Paul. Okay, but I think those are only our only two options. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I, I mean, I don't think because Dell's out. I don't think there's anybody filling in that's that's. Joe, are you involved in this? No, I don't include myself. Yeah, I think it's. All right, well, well I mean, I think would, Paul he, or, would I he think go to his favorite right off the top? I think PC's a dark horse here, but. I think PC's a dark horse here. Like, you try to look like, We're to go both away trying us. to read. Yeah, I know, I don't, like, read the room. I don't like being this close to you guys. He looked I'm away gonna, from us? I'm yeah, he was looking down, he was scratching his leg. I'm going to face this Can you read it one more time? Yeah. I did have a brief stint as a Postmates driver, I was horrific at it. Lasted about three days. I was very bad at getting the order correct. Do you think Paul would admit to being bad at it? Yeah, I think sometimes for as much as he loves himself. I, I do believe that there are times where he will be self-deprecating. All right, you want to go with Paul? That's fine. I'll right, go Paul go on. I did have a brief stint as a Postmates driver. Oh, you I was horrific it. at it. Lasted about three days. I was very bad at Way to go, Jeremy. getting the order after correct. The three day. You know what? I'm mad at myself. Quitter. Paul, Paul wouldn't have quit after three days. I was actually Paul wouldn't have quit out. after three days. That that was a botch on our our port. Like if we were going to guess a quitter, we we should have known it was Jake. That's a weasel that's, move. That's, yeah, that's our bad. That's our we we. I I no no. On that we win one. as a team. We lose as a team. I should have had us down the right path. I should have right. sniffed. I should have sniffed that one out. Paul would not have quit All right, after number three two. days. Joe, hey, slow down, buddy. We got. We just spent five All right, minutes let's on the go. first one. Uh, number two. That was why I liked Evan Gaddis as much as I did. Other than just supreme jealousy for Evan Gaddis's meaty forearms. Sounds kind of lancy. I don't. And know. you had to talk about here. batting gloves here. You had to be there in the Gaddis days. I don't know that Jake was. No, Beaky B- probably wasn't. PC might. PC was. Paul was. Yep. Uh, read it again. Renato was. Yeah. yeah. That's why I liked Evan Gaddis as much as I did. Other than just supreme jealousy for Evan Gaddis's meaty forearms. Who's talking about jealousy and meaty forearms, though? Like, I think that's either Lance or Paul. Probably Paul. Like, Paul, like, I don't think anybody's going to be jealous of somebody else's, like, muscles. I don't know. Lance other than Paul. At the, Lance wasn't, I mean, maybe back in the day a little bit. He's not hyper-athletic. But is he jealous of somebody else's forearms? Like, I think he could be. There's also that promo running on our station where, where Lance is like, I don't care what people say. This train station is going to roll out every single day. Like, I don't think I don't think Lance has forearm envy, whereas okay. Paul Paul cares about you know oh, appearances, he does. Yes. you know, big forearms, and I think it's Paul. All right, you, I mean, I called the last one 
All right, we'll go Paul. Paul Gallant. I keep looking at Joe like he's going to play it. That was why I liked Evan Gaddis as much yes. as I did, other than just supreme jealousy for Evan Gaddis' forearms. Yeah, it had to have been Paul. Paul, no. Paul cares about appearance. It was so obvious, but I just had to get Paul in there talking about loving meaty. But farms. it was almost so obvious that like you almost threw the the sin off a little. Yeah. You just love Paul, period. So that's fine. Be, uh, I mean, Bre- Brendan had a poster of Paul. Look, Paul Galan on the ceiling. Paul Galan is not the true. host that is apparently intentionally saying things to try to get on Husetta. There's a host that does There's that. There's a host doing that. I while listening to Patrick Creighton's show on Monday night, he said something about excrements. And then said, quote, I'm just trying to give Joe George good ammo for who said it. <laughs> I All don't right. play PC chasing some cloud. That's <laughs> number, fine. Number three, Ian Rappaport was there, friend of the show. Um, well, he's not that good of a friend of the show, actually. His name is slipping me. I know, that, I know that using the term friend of the show is a big deal on the show after us. I do know that. But has Rappaport ever been on with them? No, 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 I'm going to help here. No, it's someone They're else. Talking about, yes. He says yeah. Ian Rapport yeah. was there, and then he starts talking about another person. See, I think this is Lance. He just went to his NFL Network combine. He did. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. As much as the wheelhouse uses the friend of the show. And also the recency of it. Like, I like it. So, like, why would the wheelhouse be saying he was there and then he was there too? I think this is Lance. The only thing I can say is is that if it was something coming out of Texans camp, there wasn't anything big coming out of camp, right, where no. you could say, ooh, actually he was there. Oh, man. Okay. Read it again. Rappaport was at camp the other day. Yeah, he was there on Saturday. Yeah, but now are you throwing it? Okay, all right. No, Ian Rappaport was there. Yeah. Uh, a friend of the show was, um, well, he's not a good that good a friend of the show. His name is actually slipping me. You know who was also at camp on Saturday? The Weasel? Yeah. It sounds like the weasel because he loves friend would he of the go show. To, would he go Jake twice in the first three? Oh, sure he would because he knows there's also a little extra. It's in definitely it. one of those two. Can you see him chuckling right now, yeah. trying to look away? But he's probably because we he he thought he got us and now we're on it. Yeah, now we're on it. Right, you want to go, Jake? Yeah, let's go, Jake Asman. Dean Rappaport yes. was there. Well good friend <laughs> of the show. Um, well, he's not that good a friend of the show, yeah. actually. I don't know who you're talking about. Uh, his name is slipping me. They, they, I really who was he it. talking about? I have no idea. CSIBs is what we're going to. Uh, that was this. well done. I think it was the guy who used to be the Giants GM. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlie Casserly? No. no. Giants. Yeah, he was. He, was Casserly? Casserly was a Giants GM. I thought he was the Commanders. He's a commie. Yeah, I think he was Washington. Did, I thought Casserly spent a time with the Maybe he wasn't the head guy. I don't know. Yeah, probably. He was probably an assistant, maybe. All right, number four. The bloom is off the rose with Mauricio Dubon, who couldn't hit his way out of a paper bag in the month of July. <laughs> what a, what a what an analogy! Who's got that in their wheelhouse? You said the bloom the the, the bloom, bloom off the is off the rose with Mauricio Dubon, who couldn't hit his way out of a paper bag in the month of July. That sounds like a PC quote. Well, you know he's dialed into baseball. Yeah. And he's big into deep dives and watching the month, you know, the month-to-month performances yeah. and things. Like, that matters. Because, yeah, like, it does. most casuals aren't going to go yeah, month-to-month. No, Lance ain't doing that. Uh, I, oh, Paul, did you just call Lance a casual? <laughs> kind of did. Lance is a, look. <laughs> he kind of did. No, he didn't kind of did. He did. Well, I mean, <laughs> he ain't no Hector Norris. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, Paul ain't doing it. 
Granado uh, might. Granado might. Creighton might. But I don't think Creighton's. I, I don't think. I don't think Granado's going to go with that analogy. We're not talking about a Yankee, so we know who won't. Like, do you? And see, we've used him twice. Do you see Granado saying this? Say it again. The bloom is off the rose with Mauricio Dubon, who couldn't hit his way out of a paper bag. I think that's PC. In the month of July. That's a PC analogy if I've ever heard one. Okay, let's go. I, I agree with you. All right, Patrick Creighton. The bloom is off the rose. Yeah. Yes. With we Maurice win Dubon, the weekend. Who couldn't hit his way out of a paper bag in the month of July. I don't know what's worse. My performance the <laughs> last two weeks of this garbage version of kickball last on yeah. TV. I would, I they would, don't even yeah. hit it to the pitch. This is bunt ball. Yeah. yeah but this the last two dumbest. weeks. Listen to Joel. I would try to change the conversation about what yeah, you Yeah, Stumper. He's been, trying to change the conversation so no, hard right now. You haven't just gotten run over by that, the bus. You're roadkill, bro. Kick, that kickball has been on for two hours, and he's mentioning it yeah, now. Now, yeah, yeah, Honestly, I've been watching trying, the whole He's trying to change the conversation. As he keeps trying to look away because he can't hide his facial expression. It's so weird. You're going to talk about the Braves Cubs? game next i have a great poker face when i play poker i don't have it i I have a hard time believing it the way you're (laughs) crap grinning every time we get on the right path i don't have a good poker face for who said it all right one more one more bmac you ready ready to go number five moms are apparently using magic mushrooms to deal with motherhood yeah it's on brand that's it yep you guys have got every single one we've done for the fifth one, so I'm really? trying to make it harder. Kind of sounds like the bench, Jerry. Like a news of the weird. Yep, that's what I was thinking. Plus, it doesn't matter because yeah. we won again, and we're up against. I you. mean, so not that I'm gloating or anything, <laughs> but it is what it is. Yeah, let's just go bench. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Moms are now using Another magic mushrooms weeks. to deal with motherhood. Yeah. Do you feel like it's on oh, brand? Man, what a dominant. I was Do better, Stump. I was hoping that it's on brand was going to lead you to Mabes. Does he say that a lot? Yeah. Uh, I feel I like you would. I didn't know that. I don't pay that um, dominating effort. I, I can't wait for all Ooh. the Bush League stuff you have in store next <laughs> yeah, week. Yeah, I mean, you guys are, at, <laughs> he's you guys are asking for he's it. He's going to let us have like, it next week. Well, you got to pull something out because you got to you you yeah, you you even say face anymore. You guys got eight of the last ten. We're on a roll. Yeah, that's a pretty good run, by the way. We it's get better good. as the uh, – we're like, we're like Dusty Baker's lineups. We get hotter as the months roll on into the summer. All right, that does it for who said it. My boy Double Rods on Twitch, by the way. It's his favorite segment of the week. He can't get enough of it. Yeah, it's a good segment. He needs more of it. He actually has volunteered several times for us to do it multiple times in the week. Conference realignment. No, it's right. Is the Pac-12 on its deathbed? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Live from Drift Bar in the Heights, your starting point for White Linen Night. It's the Killer Bees with Joel Blank and Jeremy Brennan. It is your starting point for White Linen Night. They have a little neon dreamland that they're uh, going to brew up tomorrow, too. It's awesome. It's going to be great. Got to get out of here to uh, Drift Bar tomorrow for White Linen Night, neon dreamland. Come out today. Enjoy their daily happy hours. $5 wells, $4 Texas drafts. Fantastic. Wait, look you ever had white linen in your, in your repertoire? Yeah. Okay. I, think I, have, I think I have a white linen shirt right now, actually. I wear Joe? it quite often. Should I embarrass myself right now? Well, I mean, what makes this yep. any different than any other situation? I have no idea what white linen night is. This? You don't? Do you know oh. what? Do you know what white linen is? Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's no, not your I, favorite perfume. No, right? I do, but like, I, I guess I miss this. It's, it's just a, it's, it's a, an excuse to have a fantastic week. My yeah. man behind the bar uh, very eloquently put it: "It's St. Patrick's Day in the summer. It's yeah. an excuse to go all." But you know, I don't it, know how I missed this. So, like, so like in New York, in the Hamptons. They have these. What's his name? The guy that's running um, 
The guy that made all of his money on Fanatics. Oh, yeah, the guy who bought the commies. Yeah, he. Josh Harris. No, 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 no. Another guy. He's talking about the guy with the party. Yeah, he has the parties where it's yeah, similar the one to that this. CJ Straw was the just white. Yeah, That's the white name, parties. Though. Wasn't it Josh no, Harris? Not. No, it's not. The white parties. Uh, Michael Lemon? Rubin. Oh, Michael Rubin. 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 Right. Rubin. Rubin. Yeah. So that's that's the kind of thing that, that that white linen night is. But I was just curious if in your repertoire you ever had any white linen because no. as a single dude, I'm not a white guy. A white clothes oh, you guy. You really are. <laughs> you really, really are. We're going to have a conversation. If you, if you open a dictionary that had pictures, you might be there uh, we, we under might, a white guy. We might have to have an uncomfortable conversation later, Joe, <laughs> yeah. if, if you think that's the case. Yeah. I mean, I've been in uh, destination. That just did not, like, articulate the way I thought it was going to. Shocking. Really shocking oh, right now. Oh, I almost man. wish I didn't say that so I could use it for who said it. I'm not a white guy. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, I, my wife actually bought me a white linen shirt recently. Okay. So I don't think it has anything to now, do with I've, your I've been to, bachelorhood. No, but like destination weddings, too. If you go to destination weddings, you get the, the kind of the casually white linen pants that have the, oh, the, yeah. the for the beach, their tie string. Um, so, yeah, I think more when I was more fashion conscious because I cared more about it. Yeah, I would. I had white linen pants and a white linen shirt. You don't mean you, you mean you're not fashion conscious now? I don't buy any clothes for myself anymore because my wife and kid. My wife buys it for her and the kids all the time. Your wife dresses you like this? No, she doesn't dress me at all. <laughs> I mean, I was saying, I'm saying she spends money on her dresses for work oh. and for all the stuff for the kids. Like yeah, when you look at your closet, Joel. Like, what's the percentage that's not Nike? Good, and what and, and of the what's not Nike is not dress clothes. I thought you were going to ask 0%? what percentage of your closet is. Your wife's no because ninety percent. So. No, because when you work for a team that used to be league wide sponsored oh, by Adidas, yeah. oh, and that stuff's Adidas all in still in good condition. Yeah, I, I mean, I have I have Adidas too. Uh, conference realignment today has been bonkers. You go to sleep with Oregon, Washington on the brink of going to the Big Ten. You wake up today to the momentum of Oregon and Washington to the Big Ten has died down. Then there's the conversation that the Pac-12 is going to live after all, and they're going to sign a grant of rights at this Zoom meeting later today. And then they get to the Zoom meeting, and it's like, oh, yeah, Oregon and Washington are going to leave for the Big Ten after all, and it looks like Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah are going to be off to the Big 12, which you would think would probably bury the Pac-12, or at least what the Pac-12 has looked like for 100 years. This conference realignment stuff has been crazy today if you've been keeping up yeah no it really has and you just wonder when it's all going to end because everybody is fighting for their piece of the pie and that pie is consistent of a lot of big money from tv deals some guys that were in positions and you relied heavily on and you trusted to carry the torch for you as a conference have let everybody down and maybe be the reason why certain conferences may have meet their demise because they didn't negotiate the right deals but i mean at the end of the day I don't know if conferences matter anymore. When you see the alignment and all the teams and their geographic location of how they're in these conferences, it's crazy to me how it used to be somewhat geographically centered, and now there's no rhyme or reason to anybody except for who wants the money and who is good enough to get it. No, you're, you're exactly right. I think the finances are the only thing yep. that like is the separator with the conferences. We've known for years and decades and hundreds of years in college sports where conferences were like, 
geographically aligned. Now that has started to go away with conference realignment and teams going to the SEC, teams going to the Big Ten, et cetera, et cetera. And geography just doesn't matter anymore right. when, when it comes to these conferences, if we're being completely honest. So it's the money. The money's what's driving this and, and no nothing else. Like we were talking a little bit off the air a little bit about how if you're Oregon football and you wanted to win a national championship, it makes sense to stay, stay in the pack. Put. Yeah. But no doubt. They trade the you know value of winning a title for the big money of the Big Ten. Plus, you, plus you're, you're trying to get off a sinking ship. Like you, you don't know if there's, the Pac-12 is going to survive, and it it looks like it's not gonna. Like I, if these schools are leaving, what, what's what's left of the pack? Like, there's like four teams. And, and it's gone at this point. What do the, they do? The next question is, you know, is what do they do, and and what does the ACC do? They're locked in this grant of rights deal through 2036, I think it is. Florida State has already publicly said, what, two days ago that they're basically not part of the ACC. So that conference is clearly next. And right now the conference that looks the best position besides the Big Ten and the SEC is absolutely the Big 12. They lost two power schools in Texas and Oklahoma, and they've added, it looks like it's going to be another seven schools after that. Houston, Cincinnati, BYU, UCF, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. Colorado. Colorado. So eight schools. So they lose their two big ones. That's crazy. But what? The, and then they add eight more, yeah. and they've added eight schools that like they're pretty solid. I was gonna say they're not, they're not like cellar dwellers. There's a coming reason to them just desperate. There's a reason why Washington State, Oregon State, Stanford, Cal. There is a reason why they're not part of these conversations because they just don't really belong. I think the next question is what happens to the ACC, and if the ACC starts to disband. Do we see conferences get really ballsy and start kicking people out? Like, do they say there's a limit to what we can have? And the Big Ten says we're done with Rutgers, we're done with Maryland, we're done with these schools that just don't bring any revenue. We already have the East Coast back. If we get dare I say, even though with Matt Rule there, Nebraska too used to be a one-time college powerhouse in football. Nebraska's bringing nothing to the table to the Big Ten. The only thing Nebraska brings now is at least they're closer to USC than Penn State. I, I, w- I wonder about, like, the legalities of it, though. Like, I wonder if you're the Big Ten and you're trying to kick out Rutgers, what that means from a lawsuit perspective and how much money you're going to potentially lose. They might, they, Rutgers might get more out of that deal than the TV deal they're getting from the Big Ten yeah. because they would have grounds to get paid if, they, if you tried to evict them. Well, you got to think, like, you probably would have to get, like, all the TV money you're potentially owed over the next, you know, let's say it's an eight-year contract. You're probably going to get all eight years. I don't. I don't know if they're going to get that aggressive, but it feels like at some point, like maybe it's just maybe it is in ten years from now when that next Big Ten TV deal is up. Maybe they say, "Hey, look, Rutgers, we're not going to include you in this, or you can stay for a much lower percentage because you're just not valuable to us anymore." Yeah, you're filler time on the Big Ten network, but you're not worthy of the kind of TV deals that we're getting with our our, our best teams on major networks. So this takes the Big Ten to eighteen teams. Yeah. That's that's a lot of teams. It really is. And so they're they're going to start having conferences for these conferences. It's yeah, you might happen. need. I mean, you, it, yeah, you might have three divisions instead of two conference. I mean, splitting it in half because you have so many teams, and, and and the realistic approach of just playing within your division with that many teams, it's but it's that's very why, very different. That's why a lot of people think that the Big Ten is going to go for is going to revisit like this Cal and Stanford thing. Because then, if you do that, it did make sense to me. You have a that, you have a six team West Coast division. 
Right, but I just don't know if they're going to bring in enough money for you to go to the TVs and be like, hey, we're going to need another full share for Cal, another full share for Stanford. Well, the networks are going to be like, well, they're not bringing that much money in. The reports last night was that they offered or- the Big Ten offered Oregon a lesser share than everyone else. So imagine if they call Cal and Stanford and they look, you're not getting the, the $37 you're getting million, whatever. Dog money. You're getting $10 million. We'll bring you in the conference. But, like, you're not getting that top dog money that other people are getting. Usually those conferences, though, work to the full share. It's like, okay, we're going to give you a five-year grace period where you get percentages, 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 but eventually you get to the full share. Sure. Now, whenever Texas and Oklahoma are leaving the Big 12, they were kicking around the idea of non-full shares. And I was reading some rumors today as well about the Pac-12, how Oregon State and Washington State so scared about the Pac-12 dying and knowing they would be left out that they were kicking around the idea of they taking lesser shares to try to entice Oregon and Washington to stay. But obviously it didn't work out. I I think what happened today was the Pac-12 was trying to put public pressure on Oregon, Washington, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah not to break up this 100-year conference and trying to get everybody to sign this, you know, force them and coerce them into this grant of rights that never happened. Same game and using every tool in in your arsenal to try and get it your way and use the media as a a potential, you know, deal changer. I I think that's what happened today. All right, Justin Verlander, what are the expectations for him this weekend and the rest of the season? Jose Urquidy, what are the expectations for him? and the rest of the weekend. Killer Bees broadcasting live from Drift in the Heights. ESPN 97.5.com. What did we say to you? And if I said something to you, maybe I said something when I was drunk and I've forgotten it, but I don't think I said something when I was drunk and I've forgotten it. But if I did, then tell me what it was. And I'll say sorry for that too. 